Hey friends, this is Ben. Um, this episode of Titan is a little bit longer than our normal one. We go into a scene-by-scene -scene kind of replay and try to address some of the symbolism as we go along. So buckle up or prepare yourself for uh, a longer than normal episode and uh, enjoy. Hi folks, this is Ben with The Cultured Curators. I'm Ben Frankenberg and this is Robbie Satavi. And today we're gonna talk about Titan. Yes, and this is going to be an interesting episode because even though we both like this movie, we have some disagreement on this film as well. So keep listening. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. I'm so excited. This is actually my favorite film of the year, I think. <laughs> yes, you, you told me that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, It's not my favorite film of the year, I can tell you that. I think you've um, also had um, a, a fuller year when it comes to movies. You've, you've done a lot of the festival circuits, so maybe you have a lot more harder, harder competition uh, to fight with this, but like, I definitely am like, I, I can see that the Palme d'Or was earned. Okay, oh wow, that's interesting. I like Tatan, but I don't get why it got the palm the or but we'll get into that in a bit maybe we need to introduce titan as a movie first for everyone okay. i think so, yeah. um the thing that that i hear the most and uh mm -hmm. this episode is full of spoilers in case uh, you didn't listen to the prisoners of the ghost land episode we're just gonna go into this deep dive yes um, people tell me it's the car fucker movie <laughs> Literally, um, I was in a clubhouse room just earlier before we started recording, and I said, okay, people, um, I'm going to leave now because I have to record a podcast with Ben about the movie Where the Lady Fucks a Car. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, yes. Uh, so, uh, bye. And the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what's interesting, so um, some background for the people, I, I hope you have seen Titan. If you're listening to this episode, please go watch it before you listen to the rest of this episode. Because from this point onwards, we're only going to give like full on spoilers and analysis and whatnot. Nope. We will definitely taint your perception of it. Go have a clean perception, yes. watch it on your own and then come back, listen to us and then maybe watch it again to have, you know, those notes in mind. Exactly. So Titan, as you might know, is uh, the second movie by Julia Ducournau, uh, whose first movie was Raw, which I love, love, loved. One of my favorite um, movies of that year, too. Yeah. And with that, I agree, actually. <laughs> um, and this is this is an interesting, interesting film. It touches on a lot of different topics. Um it, it touches there's a lot of symbolism in this film and a lot of very in your face um uh, body horror and oh, i yeah. love body horror so that's great for me though it the, the eventual payoff of the film it didn't deliver uh, as much as I would want to. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Like like okay, yeah. this movie is uh very Cronenbergian for those mm -hmm. uh, people who are fans of David Cronenberg. I think that this is um, uh, very connected in those types of universe, obviously through the body horror element. There's also mm -hmm. that variable of um, the car, which comes into play there, mm -hmm. um, at, which uh, historically crashed. I think it was 1996. Um, there yeah. wasn't a, an award at the Cannes Film Festival. So they made an award for crash because it was so um, 
singular in its kind of uh, portrayal of this very strange uh, auto-erotic uh, paraphilia where people are sexually attracted to cars and uh, mm-hmm. car crashes. Mm-hmm. Um, this film, obviously, there's a lot of sexuality. There's a lot of the, the body horror, the car element comes into play. I think there's a lot more yeah. symbolic and heightened reality in this than anything that Cronenberg did with like say crash. Um, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But definitely like we're, we're hearkening back to that, but with the wonderful caveat that this is uh, not as male gazy as a lot of Cronenbergian films are. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Well, let, 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 let me get all the stuff that I love about this movie out of the way. Maybe we can okay. first start on, on the common ground because <laughs> what Ducournau does very well is nonverbal exposition. Like mm. there is, you know, she makes very good use of the visual medium and there is not like a lot of dialogue. You know, there's not copious moments of dialogue. Uh, giving you explanations on everything. There's yeah, not a lot of doesn't even talk a lot, right? No, exactly, exactly. And that's, I mean, I love that. There, if you can show, not tell, uh, in some movies, and for a movie like this that works beautifully, then that's amazing. Um, yeah, I yeah. think the opening, the first five minutes, there's zero dialogue, and it tells the whole full opening sequence and sets the premise for our main uh, character, Alexia, uh, without like a single word spoken, basically. That whole first section, um, I was I was very, very fortunate when I saw it. Um, Julia Ducanel was there to do um, a little talk back at the end and gave a little bit of some key points on that section, mm-hmm. which um, uh, when it comes to like nonverbal communication and the idea of a gaze and um, what kind of gaze that you're engaging with and controlling that gaze, that mm-hmm. whole area is like loaded and uh, completely um, likes to flip and play with the gaze a lot. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, definitely a, a, ma- a master storyteller visually. Yeah. Uh, the visuals in this movie are amazing. The play with colors, with lighting. I mean, this could have been an A24 movie easily without <laughs> even though it's not <laughs> we don't have to give them all the good stuff they have plenty <laughs> exactly exactly and that first half of the film i mean there's a lot happening uh, she she does actually fuck a car and you know she's she is a bit of a, a serial killer um we don't get a lot of insight on what motivates her to do that she just goes into this rage, rage bit Ooh, we ooh. do. Okay, wait, wait, hold on. Let, let me finish my thought, then you can explain it to me. Go, go, go. Yeah, so um, f- from my point of view, she uh, she has that accident when she's little, um, and she develops this love for, for cars instead of humans. It, that's kind of what it looks like. The moment that, that first moment that she gets out of the, the uh, hospital, she starts hugging the car instead of her parents. But her parents seem also a little bit distant. So it seems like she can attach herself more emotionally to the inanimate car I- I- in a way than to her parents. Like the, the concept of love and what that means and receiving it and how you grow into that and understanding affection and emotional attachment seem to be a very important topic throughout the film and whether you can love something that is not completely 
you know, that not completely fits into whatever standard or norm you mm-hmm. society has set to Definitely. people and relations and etc. So that that's an interesting thing. I love that. Um, oh. And then she grows up and she's like this uh, dancer at car shows and she gets a lot of attention. She has a lot of fans. Um, and when the first kill comes in, it's basically this guy that's trying to force himself on her. And she's like, kill the, <laughs> she kills the motherfucker. Um, that's a clear motivation. Like, I get that. Like, she's like, oh, this dude is so very clearly trying to, you know, mess with me physically, sexually. Um, bye yeah, it's bye. A very, it's a very easy setup, right? That she yeah, yeah. And then she she goes back inside into where where, where the girls were showering before, um, but she seems very distant from from the get go. I think towards um, Justine, the girl with the nipple piercings. Yeah. Because um, her hair gets stuck at one point on one of the nipple piercings, and she's like, "Oh, careful! You know, you don't want to rip off my 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 tit." And she's like, "Does it hurt?" And she's like, no, the, the piercing itself doesn't hurt, but, you know, your, your hair is stuck to it. And she just rips it off. She's kind of like not really empathetic or sympathetic towards people, it seems. There's, there, there, there doesn't seem to be, at least in the first half, a lot of, like, emotional connection to humans mm-hmm. um, from her. She's kind of, like, annoyed with, with human beings being around her. So she, after she kills the guy, she goes back in, um, she showers, and then she feels like this draw to this one car. And you get like full frontally a scene where, you know, she's having intercourse with that car and kind of seems like the car is having intercourse with her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree completely with her. Yeah. And especially towards the end, it really seems that they're both like, you know, reaching a climax. I mean, it's a it's um, a, a lowrider. Like it's legitimately doing the the bounce up and down that the lowriders yeah. do. Exactly, exactly. So that first part. So I again, I loved it. Um, and then she finds out that she's pregnant from the car. Uh, there's motor oil coming out of her hoo-ha, her punani, her virgin. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying her at this point, but. Um, because you know they're um expressing as femme up to that point, but I don't feel comfortable saying her from from the midpoint onwards. So after they get into Vincent's house, but let's. I'd love to hear you unpack those first few moments until yeah, I mean, she we're, finds we're, we're out barely, that she's pregnant. Yeah. We're barely 20 minutes into the film at this point, and it's like, yeah. wow, there's so much to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, for sure. I like the car fucking thing. Okay. Because I think that's the first thing that most people, because it's the spectacle, it's the big mm-hmm. spectacle where people are like, why the fuck is this person fucking a car? Yeah. And I think that note comes a lot into play with what you were talking about, the inability to express intimacy with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have to we have to unpack the scenes. The first scene that we see is actually um, the character of Alexia as a child and trying to get her father's attention while driving on a road trip. And the father yeah. is just being completely uh, ignoring her and um, acting like she's a pest. And then there's an accident that occurs, um, which ends up with 
a um, the poster a, a titanium plate being added to the character's skull. Um, yeah. So this yeah. traumatic event where uh, the character of Alexia has sought out um, the love of her only male uh, role model has turned into a traumatic endeavor where she could no longer seek affection from him, but then sought affection from the one thing that did give her attention in that instant, which was a traumatic car accident, yep. which she lives with. She has that piece of her trauma that she carries with her throughout the rest of the film, and that is the metal, the titanium uh, uh, plate that lingers with her. And I think the idea of metal, the idea of trauma, the idea of intimacy is the thing that um, connects through the whole story and why she has this sexual um, relationship with a car because the car is the the driving force, the embodiment of metal. Um, Julia, you know, one of those things that she gave us um, at the talk back talked a little bit about the lyrics to all the songs being super important. So when I went back and saw some of the, um, I got, I, I had the fortunate opportunity to see parts of this film multiple times. And the scene where she is um, introducing us to the vehicle um, is a very long shot, very complex and beautifully choreographed scene um, where Alexia as an adult uh, enters a car show with a lot of like go-go dancers, very sexualized. Um, the lens follows her and is extremely male gazy. We get a lot of sexual shots of the women. Um, we're very voyeuristic of the scene. We're very present with all the uh, hyper-masculine fandom that surrounds her and the environment. And then mm. when we get to her on the car, the gaze shifts. And all of a sudden, Alexia is in charge. And she yeah. keeps our gaze. She looks into the lens. And she owns her sexuality on the vehicle. And the lyrics um, at that time are, um, the uh, I think it's the killers doing it to death. So the idea that the car itself is death. And so mm. she's sexualized and uh, developed a relationship with death throughout the rest of the film is like the thing that I took as the big key there. Oh, and, okay, and so okay. like when she comes to that point where she's in the shower scene and there's another woman who also has this implanted piece of metal, although superficially implanted, um, mm -hmm. that question of does it hurt? Does your existence and your relationship with this metal hurt? No, it's fine. Well, let me make it hurt. And uh. the intimacy that is expressed from there on, she has difficulty in navigating. She tries to come into these places where any intimate situation that she has with a person, we haven't gone that far into the script, but we've touched on this little intimate moment in the shower where the hair gets entangled in the nipple. It seems off kind of sweet and quirky. We can catch on to there the next interaction where we kind of get into it is that toxic masculine kind of character chasing her down the street. Hey, I'm a big fan. I just wanted your, um, your autograph. And Alexia pulls a hairpin, a long straight hairpin made of metal from her, um, from her hair while she lure, uh, doesn't lure, she uh, embraces this character who has been chasing her down the street to kiss and stabs him in the ear with the damn thing. The ear, the same idea that this mm -hmm. place where the trauma that exists for her exists. Yeah. Because she has that titanium um, implant uh, 
uh, that is visible right above her ear. So she exactly. she utilizes the thing that is her her intimacy in a moment that uh, for the film is kind of a, a bait and switch. We're kind of mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. She's just defending herself. She's not a violent person. This is definitely like a provoked and bad situation she got uh, put into. So she tries mm -hmm. to figure out how to get rid of the body and then we move on from there. Yeah. Yeah, it feels kind of like a slasher kill almost. Yeah, like at this point, we're not given enough of the details about where that goes to where mm -hmm. we're like, okay, cool. Well, obviously she got in a car accident. Obviously, she's a dancer who has a lot of fans. She accidentally mm -hmm. has to kill somebody. There's somebody on the dance team who um, she doesn't know very well, but there's an, an action of um, accidental violence uh, between them, but it seems like it's sweet and flirtatious. And that mm -hmm. moment was the most like raw that I saw. Like I really felt like that kind of body sensuality, that real sense of like, people mm -hmm. trying to engage in each other's flesh in a non-male gazy way, which I think was was important uh, to the way that intimacy is portrayed in Julia's films. Definitely. And then if, even if you go further down in the movie, I mean, there are a lot of things that happen that show a very hyper-masculine uh, situ situation several times, especially with the firefighters. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> um, that are really, really like literally, you know, get us a, a spotlight turn on uh, to them and how that works. And like, you, you know, those male bodies and sweaty and like pink lights over them and how, how, how those interactions go. Um, I'm so obsessed with the like just because yeah. we're right here right now um i've been in a lot of dancing situations i um being uh, assigned male at birth um i have lived through the masculine archetype through most of my life and mm. i've been in mosh pits i've been in a lot of situations where hyper masculinity firefighters are the epitome of masculine uh characters oftentimes mm. and and how incredibly delicate Julia's portrayal of these situations of the intimacy between these men. Yeah. That like they're dancing together and, and dancing is such an important part of this film as well. But like their machismo with each other is handled in, in such a, um, a beautiful way. I'm not intelligent enough to be able to dissect the way in which she has portrayed um, their intimacy and love for each other. Um, and uh, this community that they've developed, it's it's incredible. Also, that the character of Vincent is that that actor, um, mm. Vincent Linden. I have no idea how he did what he did through this. It's a, it's a, it's beautiful. He puts an amazing performance down. I have to agree. And just to correct you real quick, because you are intelligent enough to break a lot of things <laughs> down. I think this movie is just so complex that there are so many ways to look at it. And then I yeah, think that sure. also, you know, comes down to the fact that how we interpret it differently, I guess. Okay, because. Sure. Uh, to to move fo forward in the story, so we have that first kill, we have that intercourse moment with the car. Um, at that point, uh, you know, there is she, um, and uh, before a full transformation takes place. 
So um, they're trying to and 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 failing at um, uh, provoking a miscarriage or an abortion, actually. Um, yeah, this, this she's gone on. She started uh, to go on a date with um, uh, the Justine character. Yes. So with the with the nipple piercing uh, uh, person. I do wonder and if the, that's a subtle nod to the Marquis de Sade. Just a note. Could be like so. the, the idea of sadism, the character of uh, mm. uh, as a sadist uh, archetype. Mm -hmm. It's a thought mm -hmm. in my head, for sure. Oh, that's interesting. Definitely one for the for the blog notes. Uh, mm -hmm. Um. So uh, yeah, they they start dating Justine. They're at this house party where a lot of people are, you know, having carnal pleasures. Um. Uh, and there is this snap moment, basically, where during everything that is happening, you see that Alexia is is just done with it. She's they're they're trying so hard to emote and connect with people, even though they actually can't. And for me, it felt like she's okay. She's letting go, or they're letting go of this superficial um are you talking about the, the space in which they actually um like uh on the couch occurs okay cool yeah um, yeah there's, there's a little piece of story that happens right in in between um the kill uh that, that they're at the beach and this is the realization mm, yes. where alexia realizes that she's in fact pregnant yes um, yes and uh there's um an instant where they're on the date they're 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 making out um and i think there's like a soft moment of violence like the the escalation of like i think maybe oh she's she's playing with justine's nipple on the beach and then ends up biting it and um it was just too hard justine like steps away real quick and it you know it seems like a small like misunderstanding um justine runs off real quick but alexia has to deal she feels sick all of a sudden and then um runs away i believe she like vomits into the water or something like that and uh i think we have yet to realize that this is the uh the carrying of the car's child i think we find that out when she tries to go back to the to the house right yeah 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 so she gets back to the house and they're having that intimate moment right exactly on the couch yeah yeah and so and what's interesting because you're saying she, she's having that moment with justine on the beach on that date and it doesn't start off violent or her biting that hard she just doesn't get the cues like the physical social human cues that Justine is is giving her that whatever she's doing to her you know sexually physically is not something that she's enjoying um and then that's where it escalates in her just keeping biting that that one spot with the nipple piercing up to a point that she's like okay what the fuck let me go like this is I'm trying to let you know that I don't enjoy this. You're not listening to my physical cues. Um, I'm done with this. You're just ignoring me as a person. And we're only physically, not even physically, you're just focused on one thing. Um, and then indeed, she finds out that she's indeed super pregnant. She goes back for this, this very human moment um, 
Alexia. There's one of the few, at least in the first half, in the later half, there's other moments, but in this first half where she has like this emotional breakdown and then, you know, let's Justine like comfort her and um super sweet yeah yeah there's like an actual connection it seems like there's an actual connection between the two where up to that point alexia has not had any connection with anyone human at least so that was an interesting moment and then they get to the house oh sorry <laughs> i hit my own uh microphone there for a second. Oh, i'm so excited um so yeah they get to the house um I've only seen this movie once. I probably should yeah, rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, so they like they get they get back to the house and then um uh so there's that there's a moment on the beach where she feels sick and then there's that that comforting and mm -hmm. Justine um says let's go back to my place and they go they they get back there and once she gets back she um she still feels sick and so she goes to the bathroom and realizes that she's pregnant and she's like okay well I'm gonna deal with this you know, on my own terms, takes out the hairpin, the same hairpin that she used to murder the man um, yeah. and uh, tries to have an abortion. So this is a pretty graphic scene. She takes the the hairpin and inserts it and, you know, is engaging with that. Um, and when she um, is dealing with that situation, we come to find motor oil. So yeah. she... She, this is the big cue that, okay, cool, this is a, a supernatural uh, birth that's occurring. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, she's dealing with it. The knock on the door, hey, are you okay in there? Cut to, they're hanging out on the couch. There's this kind of soft intimacy of like, oh, did you know you were pregnant? Kind of, not, not as direct, but like maybe I care about you a little bit. Like, hey, are you okay? Did you know what was up? Like, you're dealing with this. Um, I know that you're sick and uh, they re-engage almost immediately into this sexual situation, which I think this is also an important um, micro moment where they deal with intimacy, the question of I'm going to take care of you. I care about you. Also, I'm trying to fuck you. And yeah. that <laughs> yeah. shift happens so quick mm -hmm. and masterfully uh, portrayed. Um, and so they get to, to fooling around a little bit. And in this intimate moment, this is the trigger. This is that click where all of a sudden we realize that that incident at the car with the man who is stalking her was not mm -hmm. uh, a singular incident. She pulls out the hairpin and stabs Justine in the head. Yeah, and, exactly. and it's pretty graphic. They stab her. She's spasming on the couch. And we're just like, holy fuck, she's a serial killer. This is the like the big reveal of, of mm -hmm. that, that character type. And I think like the implement of her intimacy, the escalation of her ability to show affection, the hairpin itself, um, as the tool where she's engaging in in love in the violent context, because that's how her trauma that she carries with her has has manifested itself in her ability to express it she's mm -hmm. become a serial killer this moment though is so dark and then we see the french sense of humor uh come through in this and and, and what follows there yeah 
which yeah, I'm, I'm it, it keep it keep going keep going keep I, I, okay cool yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to uh, dominate that section so no um, no uh, definitely take it take it because for me i've i've seen it uh recently but um i've seen it once and i'm like deeply thinking like okay well what happened after that point again because while you're explaining it i'm 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 hearing it and go like oh yeah wait no and it, I, I remember this part but at the for same sure. time the way you're explaining it is is alive while we're doing this giving me some new insights on things Don't so you, I see might just... you can see it yeah <laughs> so um okay so this point happens we have this very dark moment and i think this is like classical theater the idea of like um what happens after the, the darkest moment in um uh in macbeth the murder of duncan we bring mm -hmm. in the porter like we bring in the clowns we bring in the characters who are are supposed to um uh lighten the situation because he just experienced a traumatic situation so we we murder this woman an innocent we can justify the the the, the stalker this woman we can't um yeah. and then all of a sudden a guy's walking down the staircase he's like hey what's up like oh okay cool there's another person in the house and then the music gets silly and um she murders this man and then there's another person who comes down and is like, what the hell's going on? And she has to chase this woman up the stairs who runs into the bathroom and she's trying to like knock on the door and, and serial uh, st killer style chase her through the house. And um, while she's like frustrated trying to get in the door, a mm -hmm. fourth person comes into the situation. Uh, how many are we at now? Yeah, a fourth person yeah. comes into the situation and she um, engages with this guy. He's like, how many motherfuckers are in this house that I have to kill? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uses her intimacy in this moment. Again, like this this character, um, his power is definitely in her ability to manipulate the male gaze or uh, mm -hmm. the sexualized male gaze and um, engages with this uh, character and like, he's like, well, if you need a bed to stay in, you can come stay in mine. Gets close to him and she's like, I'm so fucking tired. Hugs him and then just stabs him in the head. The woman runs yeah. out of the bathroom. It's comical. They're falling down the staircase. It's just ridiculous. And so she murders everybody in this house. The next morning she's like eating cereal and watching the news like, oh, uh, for... Uh, oh no, she does. She doesn't murder the woman who gets on the staircase. What happens is that woman gets away. Yes, yes, yes. Because we eventually find out that that woman that survives has gone to the police. Obviously. Yeah, and and thus what happens uh, for I would say like we're probably still like about twenty twenty five minutes into the film from this point yeah. on. Like a lot of the meat really comes into play. Yeah, because we're we're not even halfway at this point. I think that the the real halfway point is the moment where Alexia gets brought into the house uh, with Vincent, and um, when when she's well, when they've decided at that point that you know they don't give a fuck anymore and uh, change their appearance, not only. But assume this identity, which is what, which was very curious to me, and that was one of the questions that I had. Like, how do I interpret this? Because she, so they, no, hold on. Uh, that whole thing happens. Uh, the news is going like, hey, you know, this, this, we're looking for this murderer. Um, if I'm correct, uh, otherwise, correct me, uh, Ben. Uh, she then uh, lights literally her parents' house on fire with her parents in it. Yep. 
Indeed. And, and now she's like a fugitive. She's a wanted person. She's a serial killer. Um, but it's very point. It's very cold too. It's very like, yeah. oh, well, I guess I got to kill my family. Like not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. They're going to recognize it's me. Um, I don't give a shit about them anyway. Bye bye to mommy and daddy. And, and she just lights the whole shit on fire. The, the whole time while, while her story is happening, by the way, um, well, not the whole time, but at the start of the movie, when, when the initial car accident happens, we see in the background the story of this kidnapped boy mm-hmm. called uh, Andre, Adrian. if I'm... Adrian, yeah, Adrian. And um, so... One point, Alexia gets this idea in her head to just become uh, Adrian. So she breaks her nose, she tapes in her boobs, which are now significantly growing because she is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goes through, already growing at this point, too. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the belly is showing. So it's a very, I was like, that's a super weird, weird decision. But at the same time, I mean, she's not feeling any or they're not feeling any connection to um whatever is growing to them mm-hmm. in them um at that time so they're like i'm going to change my appearance and um you know introduce myself as the long lost uh adrian mm-hmm. and that's when we move into the second part of this story which is a whole different mood altogether yeah, because she, she yeah, yeah. from this point on, she has to deal with um, getting away from from those experiences, and like, yeah, she this this matter of factness that comes through. It's like, okay, cool. It leans into that view of, all right, she's a serial killer. Um, she's gone through all this stuff. She's just escaping a murder, um, and that that altered reality where she fucked a car and is pregnant with a car. Yes, that is through yeah. everything. We take that as reality. Um, and that we're already seeing, I don't even know what the timeline is, a few days maybe, but there it's visible mm-hmm. that the pregnancy is is um, adjusting and, and shaping her um, form. And so like in this escape from, you know, her self-inflicted traumas, the, the relationship of trauma that she's engaged in, um, decides to hide by masquerading as the character of Adrian changes I, her gender to be Adrian for the rest of the film. And his decision here is to, to do the trans masculine uh, wrapping of the breasts and escalate that into the, uh, the body horror of variable of dealing with the pregnancy, which the importance of, that in the community of people who have to deal with breasts and are uncomfortable with their breasts is such an important aspect of body horror, a visceral aspect that oh, yeah. um, I, as a person without breasts, do not have to deal with that, um, that pain. But um, a lot of people communicated to me that that was a thing that was like horrible to watch for a while because we, we come back to that, um, having to deal with that throughout the film from here on. There's this constant holding on to um, a, an avoidance of the body as it is and as it changes in order to embrace the person that Adrian has become. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that you're saying it like that because it's it's very clear that they um even though that that they're you know highly pregnant um uh, that they've accepted their um mask presentation or uh, gender uh, representation that 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 they morph into basically for that later half of the film. I it's think also, I think it's yeah. it's like it feels like it's out of necessity, and I think that's kind of the mm. the the same thing that Julia did earlier, where it's like, okay, this moment uh, is out of necessity, where I've been stalked and now I have to defend myself. I'm yeah. now in a situation where I have to run from the horrors of my trauma, and in order to defend myself, um, I have to take on this masculine persona. And so I think it's that bait and switch of like, this is out of necessity, but mm -hmm. it's also dealing with our nature. It's dealing mm -hmm. with, um, you know, this traumatic endeavor, but also dealing with our bodies and dealing with what do we desire out of our existence here? And um, obviously taking this out of necessity and moving into the the circumstances where Adrian puts himself in, um, mm -hmm we are given the ability to deal with all the other stuff that preceded. Yeah. 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 Cause then Adrian, so Alexa now Adrian, um, who has, you know, morphed into, um, it's Alexia who morphed into Adrian, um, comes in this situation with the very pretty delusional Vincent, basically the father of, mm -hmm. of the actual Adrian, um, who, you know, from, from the start shows that there's so much regret and there's so much trauma going on with him regarding, you know, his missing son, um, that he's willing to accept any reality that brings you know, his child back into his life so that he can do right by him. Yeah, I mean, he, he does such a wonderful portrayal of of a father who lost his child. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's it, the way that um, this is handled is there's the lost image of Adrian as a child. And then this is the computer generated model of what Adrian might look like as an adult. And so yeah. the breaking of the nose, shaving of the hair, um, shaving off the eyebrows, um, yeah. All of this stuff masquerades so well that um, the delusional Vincent looks at uh, Adrian and says, "Yeah, yeah, I believe you. Yeah, you can, you can come and 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 takes Adrian home." Yep, yep. Takes Adrian home. Uh, refuses a DNA test. Even uh, they instantly believe that this is their their child. You know, their their missing kid, and um, then starts this sort of sequence where uh vincent we we come to find that vincent has like a drug problem i think they're shooting up uh steroids yeah um to to keep that very masculine again that comes back to that hyper masculinity through a non-male gaze um that is portrayed in the firefighter scenes so like all those firefighters you know are just they have to be so hyper masculine and that shows up to a point where he as an old man is shooting up steroids um, and, and, and becoming, I think, even um, not immune, but um, used to it to a point that it doesn't work as effectively anymore. So yeah. he needs to keep 
shooting up more and more. He's just like an old man. He keeps trying to, to chase that high of being a strong, young, masculine, powerful. He goes yeah. through those kind of sequences of like he's like working out really hard in the gym and then um, is upset with his inability to be strong. And you see him kind of lash out at himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then there's this desire for Adrian to become also a firefighter. So he's kind of pushed into... They're pushed into the situation where they suddenly have to act as if they're a firefighter with no prior training. And that for me, so this is where we're going to get in, into probably the territory where, where Ben and I either start disagreeing or where Ben starts uh, explaining things to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is so, uh, up to this point, I love the movie. I was intrigued. I, I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Um, when that whole physical transformation from Alexia to Adrian takes place, um, okay. even up to the point that, you know, Vincent breaks down, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so interesting. And then it kind of lulls in for me. And the uh, Vincent, the father, he plays it gorgeously, but the, the, the narrative structure and the, the tone of the film shifts so significantly the moment that Adrian is part of that household, that it's not about Adrian anymore, even though they're still pregnant, you know, they, they're having, you know, to, to bind themselves. They're, mm -hmm. they're still like this daily thing of, okay, I don't want to get exposed. But I feel that it, it, it kind of mushes together two different stories in a way that um, the transition and the overflow, it didn't feel um, organic enough, I guess, or not organic, probably organic is the wrong word for a movie that's about Titan. <laughs> um, yeah. I but uh, it, it feels, it took me out of it. Let's just say that. I was I in, watching that. it, yeah. Like it, it is it's an abrupt shift. Yeah, it's it's an abrupt shift, and I don't mind abrupt shifts in films. But then, because of the, it kind of lulls in after that shift for me, and the focus is so much on Vincent, and you know, Adrian is still part of that story. Um, but I, I kind of felt too much like I'm watching a different film. Whereas the payoff after that whole sequence towards the end doesn't tie it together enough for me to go like oh my god yes yeah like I'm it was an oh my god moment card? sorry go ahead is there a title card that comes in there like a chapter one chapter two i no. it feels like it from what i can remember but no not not as far as i can remember i, I i've not no. seen it not not in the version that i've seen at least there was no title okay. card that would have made a, that would have made sense because then you're yeah, like okay this is a different like a different chapter this is just a focus on vincent this vincent's the maiden character and then it comes together with adrian towards the end because mm -hmm. you know the child gets born or the, you know the the entity gets born but yeah, I don't know that tonal shift and especially that energy shift um, okay. was so significant for me that it kind of it kind of took me out of it too much to then really in, enjoy it. Probably the the way other people seem to enjoy um, the film. 
because sure. the first the first part is about this serial killer with a warped sexual motivation uh, and you know um inability to have human inter- like human interaction and intimacy in a normal way due to all kinds of traumas there's so many layers in that and then we move to the second part which is about this delusional father that is grieving you know indulging in his delusions and for some reason those two stories don't feel like they mesh together well. Like the plot doesn't weave them together I, enough for me. The, yeah, the abruptness feels like it's like, okay, cool. We just got, we're in this very strange situation now. Why would anybody mm-hmm. in their right mind, which question, right mind? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But why would anybody masquerade as a grown adult with a firefighter, this hyper-masculine, super powerful? Um, yeah. Uh, firefighter, very capable. Like Vincent um, Linden is a, an imposing figure, and um, bringing Adrian um, uh, into the fire department, we see that he holds the respect of all of the firefighters. And yes. having um, now having his son with him uh, decides to bring Adrian into the fire department, give him work. Um, Adrian has decided not to speak, and with good reason probably wouldn't be able to maintain the ruse very long if, if we we speak. Obviously, mm-hmm. we can put it under the guise of trauma. Not a big issue there. Um, but, uh, you know, there's that initial, like, oh, the boys will be boys, kind of like, who's this twerp? Oh, this is my son. And um, uh, Vincent having to put the authority in, like, this is uh, somebody you're going to respe- respect and treat very uh, importantly because otherwise you have to deal with me. And then there's not a question for the rest of the film uh, from, from most of the department that like, okay, cool, you know, engage with this person as if they're just another firefighter. Um, and I think like that tonal shift is, is very important because from this point we go from the symbolism Mm -hmm. of what the trauma meant to how are we engaging with, um, dealing with that problem? Because that was the problem that was given to us. Um, Mm -hmm. Alexia living in this uh, toxic cycle of reenacting the trauma of her youth and the inability to express intimacy with her um, uh, male uh, figures or her sexual partners. Um, Intimacy on any level has been warped and manipulated through the imposing figure of death or metal. Um, And Mm -hmm. in this situation, we now have this character who um, has craved the intimacy of a son, of a child, uh, of a person you love unquestioningly, and um, is given an opportunity to reconnect with um, this lost love. And so that tone shift definitely um, shifts the spotlight toward Vincent for a while, um, while yeah. we develop this idea of, and I think it's that bait and switch again, like, Adrian has put themselves in a situation where they're not going to be able to fight to protect themselves if they're discovered. Mm-hmm. Like this is a over, they will be overwhelmed by strong men who are overly capable, who are hyper masculine. And yes. we come into the situations where Adrian has to start um, dealing with the intimacies of reconnecting with a father figure and Vincent's trying to host dinner and Adrian is trying to get away and shows Adrian some tries to be like connective, like, Hey, dance with me. And, and um, let's, let's bond in some way. And the cycle that 
Adrian has been used to in expressing intimacy. Like there's this want to escape, but then as Vincent is uh, trying to be friendly and familiar with um, Adrian, uh, it increasingly escalates to a, a degree of like um, roughhousing. Vincent starts mm. dancing and, and, and slapping Adrian in the face and Adrian gets frustrated and then tries to escalate with pulling out the hairpin and trying to stab Vincent. Yeah. And he, as a father figure, um, deals with the, this roughhousing by wrestling Adrian to the ground, holds him down, and then um, uh, releases Adrian, allowing for that violent uh, outburst to be forgiven. This is mm. a moment where the, the, the true nature of Adrian has revealed itself in an inability to express the same type of love that is trying to be given to them. And that's the same thing that we see earlier with Justine. And so yeah. this beautiful intimate moment where Vincent is giving all the love in the world in the best way that he thinks he can do it because he hasn't, he obviously hasn't had his son to do with mm -hmm. this. He's trying to like catch up on years. Um, he dances with him and mm -hmm. the dancing turns violent and fails. And so he allows Adrian to go off and, and and run away for a bit. And Adrian actually tries to 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 get away at this point, which comes to a very important scene on a bus. Do you remember that scene? Oh yes. So um, yes, do you want to yes. do you want to go into that? No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm you you are narrating okay. this so very beautifully. So please okay. continue. So from that point on, Adrian um, tries to run away, and um, uh, we're like, okay, cool. So this situation didn't work out. Obviously, it's it's too tough to kind of like masquerade as Adrian. Um, Adrian runs uh, to a bus station, hops on a bus, and there are these dudes that are just the filthiest. They are talking mm -hmm. about like, I think that there's a really good line that one of them says, and it's like, oh, uh, I'll I'll put her down and I'll fuck her in every hole. Uh, I'll even fuck her ear. And um, yeah. so Adrian has come onto the bus where these toxic guys are hanging out in the back, just talking about like their uh, sexual uh, desire in the worst way. And there's a woman who's on the uh, bus sitting across from Adrian and yes. they start harassing the woman across the way. Both Adrian and this woman are facing forward while the men are in the back. And this is a moment that a lot of women uh, I know have expressed that this unsafe environment because these guys are are you don't know how to get away from them and you're trapped on yeah. this bus yeah and so adrian um not being able to speak up as a man and address this situation and still being very conflicted with their afab nature um mm -hmm. is freaking out and stressed and reliving a lot of traumatic situations in this moment. And we also see the woman across the way who's also trying to deal with the trauma because neither of them know which one of them is the target to these guys yes. in the back. And so they have a moment where the woman across the way looks over at Adrian and connects and they connect in this traumatic situation. And it's, yep. this is us dealing with that moment and Adrian gets the hell out of Dodge, isn't there to help, is trying to get, get away from their own shit. So it jumps off the bus and we end that moment. But it's so important to, to recognize Adrian trying to navigate this variable of we, where are we? Are we now a man? Are we still where we came from? Are we dealing with this transitional phase? I can't 
get away from my nature. I'm still pregnant. I'm still binding. I'm still dealing with all this stuff, which yep. I think in the transitional narrative is super important. Well, it, it, it was especially interesting that they, um, that Julia filmed this scene because that, yeah. that violence, that women, you know, when you, you know, women and femme presenting people um, have to deal with in, in public life is, it's just so visceral sometimes. And it's, it's something that literally you cannot avoid. I, I, I had something similar happen to me um, a few days ago on the weekend. I was going outside with my partner and my, and my kid. And I was in a subway station readjusting my coat because I'd ridden up a little bit while sitting down in, in the subway. Um, so I checked out and I, I was standing towards the wall a little bit and just readjusting my coat because it ridden up a little bit. There was no skin showing or anything. This guy mm. comes up and I'm literally standing there with a partner and child. So I'm not alone. I'm just, you know, you know, backed up a little bit into a wall so that if there is any skin or anything showing, you know, which I'm showing it to the wall, not to the people in the subway station. This guy comes walking up, makes eye contact with my kid, with my partner, and then you know, proceeds to cat call and make all kinds of comments towards me um, while I'm adjusting my coat as if I'm standing near naked or stripping down or doing anything provocative, which still wouldn't, you know, justify uh, a provocation or catcalling from that guy. But it, it, it was, I, I was shocked. I was literally shocked. Obviously, my partner stepped in, started yelling at the guy, the guy ran off. Uh, started yelling back at my partner, um, and my kid and I was just—we were just—we were just shocked. We were just looking there and like, I'm not even alone. I have people with me, um, and I'm still subjected to this type of, you know, um, well, vocal like, um, uh, oh my god, auditory violence. That's no, <laughs> and it's you know, yeah, it's a story that unfortunately, like everybody has to deal with in this world mm -hmm. and i'm you know what a what a wonderful moment that julia gives us in the film to see that deal with it be very uncomfortable with it because i, I feel like it's a thing that resonates with too many people yeah yeah definitely definitely and it, i that moment when i first saw it i was like why why is is Julia making this choice? But especially when I saw those moments um, between Andre and uh, Adrian um, and the other uh, person in the in the bus when they're making eye contact, several times because it's not just one moment. It's they make an initial moment of eye contact, and then you see several moments while they're in the, in that bus ride that they keep you know reconnecting and, and she the the lady is really trying to make like some type of alliance almost like when you see another person it's like oh, is it help you me, is it me? me yeah and it's those help me eyes that you're like okay maybe we should like sit together what are we gonna do what was that and it's also the moment of like um and I'm, I'm on imdb this character's name is i think june um mm -hmm. but hey sir help me you're the guy here you're the man you should be protecting me and then yeah. seeing that adrian is also scared um yeah. that's the recognition of oh you're not 
what I thought you were. Hello, what's going yeah. on here? Um, and so Adrian's masquerade is being questioned and and it's just so well constructed that we have to deal with the the nature of of gender we have to deal with the nature of trauma with horrible masculinity of of safety of gaze mm. um and you know that male gaze is is an assaulting weapon here um yeah julia is so very aware of the way people look at each other and are looked at and just i mean this moment definitely sits by itself in the yeah. film it doesn't yeah. i mean obviously the circumstances connect it but like you could put mm -hmm. this out of a short and people would be able to 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 feel it pretty well. Yeah. Well, and, and that kind of brings me back to my original thing. Like there there are good moments in this. Uh, and this is happening in the second half where we're mostly focusing on on Vincent and and his trauma and dealing with the situation of trying to reconnect with the son who, you know, was lost. Um but that's at the same time why it feels kind of out of place for me because we're now focusing on Vincent, but all of a sudden we then go back to um, Alexia slash Adrian and then nothing is done anymore with that moment. It's, you know, we, we move back to, to, to Vincent after this. Well, I think like the idea that Adrian has tried to escape um this circumstance because obviously like in the in the narrative structure okay cool this isn't the safe place for me i'm not going to be able to handle this ruse but also mm -hmm. it's like true intimacy like love un unquestioned love um isn't something that i can deal with I, i'm going to ex i'm going to lash out and express my my violent tendencies and it's just not going to work so let me get away from it and realizing mm -hmm. that can't really escape properly um mm -hmm. is the trigger to bring us back and vincent has um been uh shooting up uh with steroids in the bathroom again and perhaps as a response to the anxiety of um losing his son once again um mm -hmm. has decided to overdo it and um his hyper masculinity which i will i will put the the idea that steroids are an embodiment of the hyper masculine um, mm -hmm. is the thing that destroys him. He, I think he has like heart failure in the bathroom or something yeah. along those lines. He, he passes out more or less. Mm -hmm. And um, Adrian comes back to find um, him in the bathroom collapsed. And we get this moment of what's Adrian going to do? Is Adrian going to like take him always down? Like this is the best opportunity. And Adrian plays with the concept, brings out the pin that he's used to kill um, before and decides to fully embrace the character of Adrian um, yeah. and starts trying to wake him up and calls him Papa. Yeah, like, yeah. Starts actually uh, embodying the character instead of just masquerading as it. Mm -hmm. And so from this point on, it's the how do I navigate a relationship with Vincent and this is the the thing where we're allowed to work through the trauma before it was just the circumstances of getting away from the from the bad circumstance of uh mm -hmm. killing my family killing people being on the run now it's how do i develop a relationship and maintain this guise uh mm -hmm. how do i keep a persona in the world when the expectations of my nature um uh don't align with my need and um and here 
we go through all these wonderful circumstances where the fire department becomes more prevalent in the interactions with Vincent. Ah, yes, definitely. We go, and we go to we go to uh, a collapsed person, um, uh, a call where uh, somebody's an old woman's had a uh, respiratory failure or something like that. Mm. You remember? Uh, this? No, no, no. So uh, her her son or husband? I think it's her son has overdosed. Is that the one you're talking about? Where and where the old lady oh, yes, just yes, lets them her. in, and yes, then yes. she she's freaking out. So um, Vincent, one of the other firefighters, and Adrian go to this call, and she's like hyperventilating, saying like, "Oh, normally he reacts. He's not reacting." They go in. They find the guy with vomit on the bed, um, and they try to resuscitate him. And while that's happening, Adrian gets assigned to the woman to keep her like calm. And she goes into this hypertension, starts beating her chest, and then collapse, has a full-on heart attack. That's the that's the this the next sequence. And then we get this moment where um the firefighter, who's also the one who's suspicious of Adrian not being who who they say they are, um, they're like, okay, they're helping out Vincent trying to resuscitate the uh, uh, the person who's who's currently um, overdosed. And uh, Vincent then sends him out to get more help, to get back up. Uh, and then it comes down to Adrian to basically listen to instructions and help uh, resuscitate the lady that has now collapsed to a point that they're singing the da 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 the Macarena, um, <laughs> Cosa Buena. I think um, what's really interesting, this is another part where that um, the French humor comes into play. Um, mm -hmm. where it's like, this is really dark and we're, we're dealing with a situation that is just like outlandish as all heck. Um, another important thing that, um, is engaged here. And I think, um, we didn't really touch on it. Um, mm -hmm. some of the fire department really look at Vincent like he's a father figure. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, the person who, uh, when Adrian is introduced to the fire department, I, I believe their name is uh, Rayan, mm. um, uh, very much as a placeholder son. I think looks a little bit like what we would expect um, an adult Adrian to actually look like. Yeah. And we get to this situation where um, obviously Vincent has to take charge. He's the senior firefighter. He's dealing with uh, this person who's collapsed uh, to a drug overdose. Um, grandma has passed out and now the natural instinct would be to put the scene, the other, uh, capable firefighter, Ryan on this situation, mm. but instead Vincent leans towards his son and puts yeah. Adrian here who has no, uh, training is not like, has absolutely no clue what to do. And through this moment of bonding, um, we get. Vincent instructing Adrian on how to do uh, CPR on uh, a person and um, using the Macarena as uh, uh, as the rhythm of for the, the chest compressions and yes. then hey, Macarena for the um, inhaling into the into the mouth. Yeah. They have this musical semi dance of like, oh, cool, I'm learning something. And Adrian shifts from being a death dealer to mm -hmm. a life giver for the first yeah. time in the film. And that nature that um, was 
incapable. The intimacy of of Adrian with a man changes. This is the first time that we get like a real like there's there's a look in Adrian's face of, oh, I'm getting it. Wow, this is cool. I'm being instructed like that. Dad taught me something kind of moment. And it's really mm-hmm. beautiful. And then eventually like I uh, Ryan comes back in to, to take over the situation. I think Adrian like keeps him alive long enough. And we get this nice little closure of like, huh, that's, that was a sweet moment there. Really cool. Yeah, we did that. Like you see that that satisfaction of we did that and I'm I'm finally, you know, becoming part of this. The relationship will grow. I can maintain this masquerade. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And where in 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 part now Adrian has become part of of this delusion of Vincent and is now accepting this as reality. Yeah. And I think um I start to get blurry on the sequence of events that come through further here, but um, we start getting into, I guess, the social aspects of the fire department where yeah. the men start to engage. And there's um, directly after this beautiful moment, I think like the contrast of like comedy and, and tragedy always come into play. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan is looking through his phone and sees um a wanted poster for a serial killer. And obviously yeah. it's Alexia. And Alexia's um, face looks pretty familiar, Ryan, and is in the bus, looks over at Adrian and says, so where are you from actually? Yeah. So we don't have to build up or anything that that tension is addressed almost immediately. It's like, I know, or I, I have a very strong suspicion that you are this person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We go into um, the firefighter camaraderie of, um, dancing and they're dancing like disco and yeah. pretty intimately and yeah. given the wrong gaze of this situation we could definitely sexualize it but it's not sexualized it's very much just like men very capable in their lives very um, firm in their sexuality just dancing together mm-hmm. beautifully so and Vincent, being the epitome of this community, um, uh, engages too. And like we see the softness of a good, strong male figure um, engage. And we try to get Adrian involved. And Adrian obviously is very hesitant because this isn't a thing that they're used to playing with. This isn't mm-hmm. something that they're comfortable in. Obviously, still um, trying not to do too many things that might draw attention to him. Um, mm. and, uh, we have these beautiful moments of like release that come into play here where, um, Adrian's being embraced by this community, by a father figure. We feel safe all of a sudden. Um, and Ryan, um, in the, the height of this tries to bring it up to Vincent, um, that I want to talk to you about Adrian and Vincent squashes it immediately. He's like, you're not going to talk to me about my son. I don't want to yeah. hear anything you have to say about my son. My son is yeah. perfect and impervious to whatever the hell you want to tell me about him. Exactly. You don't ever talk to me about my son. And, and that's such an important moment again. Yeah. But it, it and again, it solidifies the delusion. It solidifies that, you know, even though, um, even though only Vincent and, and Adrian are in on it and, they are part of this uh, interaction, this synergy that they have now formed, you know, that is kind of feeding off each other. 
um, because they both need something and they're providing that for each other. I think there's also this moment where the ex-wife of Vincent, the mother of the 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 original Adrian, comes in mm-hmm. and um, you know sees who Adrian is or physically is at least, um, and goes like, you know what? I don't even care. He needs this. Uh, just don't break him. Like basically, that's. I, I feel sorry for you. She's first initially angry um, at Adrian, and then she's she just turns and says like, I don't know, you know where you're from, how you got into this is situation, but take good care of this man. He deserves it. For sure. I, I um another thing I just want to grab onto back for in, in that dancing scene. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Is is that Ryan, uh, without being able to address to Vincent, also goes back to Adrian and says, "I know what you are like. This needs to stop." And mm-hmm. uh, Vincent is is such a a hyper powerful figure in this community that Adrian feels safe and was like, "You can't do anything to me. I'm I'm safe right here." Mm-hmm. So um, going to that next bit where um, Adrian's mother, Vincent's ex wife who we can assume like that relationship ended because of the stressors that come with a lost child. Um, they try to maintain the gaze. Vincent's like, it's Adrian. Don't you want to see your son? And that delusion, uh, that, that word that we've used uh, a bit throughout is, is hyper present right here. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of like, can't you see everybody else can see that this is definitely not, I think, throughout dealing with obviously the pregnancy has become a little bit more pronounced as the film has, has uh, grown and we've dealt mm-hmm. with those aspects of continually rapping throughout the film. But mm-hmm. mom is so very aware of, of being a woman and that nature. And there's a sense of like my fucking ex-husband is delirious and has just embraced this weird human that has decided to take up, occupancy in his home and i have to figure out how to deal with this guy who is distached from reality and they try to have a dinner and she maintains the masquerade in the public sense for a moment but adrian while having to deal with their rapping in the back room having to like deal with their stomach um Mm -hmm. is exposed to the mother figure um she comes into the room and catches her which is yeah. Alexia, let's let's say for a moment. And mm-hmm. this masquerade of like, oh no, I've been caught. I don't know what to do. Um, this situation comes into play. And we decide that maintaining this relationship is the most important thing for Vincent. And so the ex-wife just lets it go. And is like, you, you got to be good to him. And... Yeah. Um, Alexia kind of just like is overpowered by her and just agrees to do it. And in this situation, like if we were to follow the way that Alexia had been before becoming Adrian, then Mm. we would anticipate to run away, but that's not the case because things seem to be working Mm. and, there's a point where Vincent recognizes that Adrian is not his birth son. Yeah. 
and this comes along just a little bit later, but mm -hmm. the importance of this relationship, the importance of what closure and intimacy and that need to be intimate is, is so powerful. And it's, you know, the thing that's addressed throughout this film I think it overpowers all, all the, the narrative structure because the symbolism is so strong and important here. Well, like I said, it's it's uh, that second half stands on its own as a beautiful, visceral, emotional story of Vincent and Adrian. Um, but that is if you focus in on, on what's happening scene per, per scene, right? Whereas if you then back zoom out to how we started this film and what this film is moving towards, it feels still like that there are some elements in this where I feel like I, it's not connecting for me with the rest. Each of these scenes or these sequences that we're talking about stand beautifully on their own. They, you know, they could have been a movie by themselves, especially that second half could be a movie on its own. That first half could be a movie on its own where you go and explore all these themes that come up because they're during that dance scene. One of the things that is happening and the, the thing that we already touched upon is that hyper hyper masculinity again. But then there's pink light, you know, a, a pink wash over mm -hmm. all the guys even though they're shirtless, there's like this rave going on. Um, and there's this very uncomfortable moment when Ryan uh, puts Adrian on top of a, a truck and mm -hmm. Adrian dances as if being Alexia, um, very, very feminized. And it takes uh, you actually, right. Ryan's not in that scene. Is he not in that scene? I think no. Ryan is one of the ones carrying because there's is, two guys. Ryan is gone. Oh, okay. I thought for a second, so I've only seen this movie once. Uh, I thought for a second that one of the two people carrying uh, Adrian to that truck to climb on top was Ryan. But because you see one of them only like slightly from the back. And, and granted, they all have bus cuts, but. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so, so I was under the impression that that was Ryan. So um, uh, an important thing that occurs here, and this mm -hmm. is a a, um, a strange uh, moment in the Vincent character because uh, Ryan and Vincent are on a call and they're out in the woods that are on fire. And yeah. we're still dealing with this idea that um, uh, Adrian is going to be caught and yeah. that um, will not be able to maintain um, uh, protection from Vincent anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, they're out in the woods and um, I, I wanna give one more piece of intimacy to Vincent and um, Adrian before we get into this exact moment. Um, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a moment where Adrian is um, home alone and going through the closet and looking through um, uh, the mother's clothing and decides to put on one of the mother's dresses and is wearing the dress uh, and Vincent walks in. Oh, and yes. We're we're like, oh no, I've been caught. I'm, I'm definitely a woman. Oh no, you'll see me as a woman. And Vincent laughs, hugs Adrian and says, nobody could ever tell you, tell me you're not my son. 
So yeah. we already have this. We already have this fear that, like, okay, cool, Ryan's gonna expose Adrian. Um, the mother's going to expose Adrian, and that verbiage, verbatim, nobody can ever tell me you're not my son. Mm-hmm. And Vincent pulls out a picture of the young Adrian wearing that same dress, and it's a joke, and it's an intimate moment, and it's beautiful. Cut to um, Vincent and Ryan walking through the woods, dealing with a call. We know that Ryan's trying to expose Adrian and working to do so. And I think Vincent knows too. Mm-hmm. And Vincent's not going to give up this very important love in his life. Yeah. And so Vincent murders Ryan. Yeah. He goes into, I think it's a burning trailer, comes out with a propane tank. And hands it to Ryan in the middle of this flaming forest. And Ryan looks at him, kind of knowing that this is a very dangerous thing you've just done. You've handed me a full propane tank in the middle of a fire. Mm-hmm. Gives him a little like nod of like, yeah, yeah, sure, it's safe. I deactivated it or whatever. Runs off and it explodes. Yeah. And so Vincent has gone to the ultimate in order to maintain this delusion that will hold um, mm-hmm. up until this point, he's still delusional um, because yeah. we haven't been outright given the reality. No. Um, we get more into uh, the camaraderie, the dancing of the, of the firefighters. And this time the dancing is no longer like soft and sweet. Um, it's a mosh pit. Yeah. And they're moshing in the, the firefighter, uh, warehouse where the trucks are stored and it's super super masculine and tough and adrian is brought into the situation and has to try and maintain um that masculinity in a mosh pit and is tossed around quite a bit and um they get to the situation where they start trying to go adrian into like being uh in charge and put adrian on top of a uh, a fire truck and this moment of Adrian being in the spotlight where it's like Adrian's not wanted to be in the spotlight this entire time where mm-hmm. dancing is super important into the communication of the intimacy of the firefighters um, mm-hmm. is asked to dance up on the fire truck by themselves. And we get, we get a moment where Adrian decides I am impervious. I don't know if we explicitly know that Adrian's aware that Ryan's death is Vincent's fault but mm-hmm. as a story, we feel confident that Adrian's place is secure. And so Adrian decides to embrace their femininity and yeah. re-engages in the type of dance that they were engaging with at the beginning of the film with on top of the car. Um, this sexual strip club kind of voguing that occurs and a lot of ass shaking. And it's very much engaging with the firefighters. And the firefighters are very, very, very uncomfortable. They don't know what to do about this feminine presence that has revealed itself to the group. And it's almost, it's not so blatantly, I am a woman. It is engaging with this suspicion that has been played with the whole time. Vincent Mm -hmm. walks in, the whole room's very uncomfortable. And Adrian doesn't stop. Adrian continues to try and own their sexuality in a sense where you can't deny that I am or was a woman 
or am engaged with this nature of my body. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that has to be dealt with. And Vincent uncomfortably walks away. Yeah. Um, and the firefighters are all very weirded out and end up leaving. Cut to Adrian trying to fuck the fire truck. Yeah. This is the second time we've engaged in coitus with a vehicle. Um, the fire truck <laughs> is not satisfactory. The fire truck Mm-mm. does not get Adrian off the way that our uh, our vehicle in the beginning did. And yeah. it's important because this is the, the way that Adrian has dealt with their trauma throughout the entirety of their life. Um, mm. This metal, this embodiment of death can no longer sustain their soul and the intimacy that they've been shown through this unquestioned love from Vincent through the, what a a father's love is supposed to actually look like has removed the ability to get your rocks off uh, to death. Mm -hmm. Vincent not knowing what to deal, do with all of this tries to commit suicide alone in bed, drinking whiskey, yeah. pours whiskey all over his chest and lights it on fire. Yeah. We we get to the point where um, it's, it's very obvious that Vincent's going to have to deal with Adrian's past as Alexia. And we believe that it's probably going to end violently because we've seen Vincent kill Ryan to protect this guy's and no longer can he protect this guy's because Mm -hmm. Adrian has started to reveal everything because Adrian's feeling more comfortable Um, and expressing it in toxic ways for sure. Uh, Well, prior to this moment, there is this moment post killing Ryan where Vincent goes into the bathroom when Adrian is unbound and trying to rebound themselves. This is mm. whole very body horror moment of oil coming out of oozing out of uh, their breasts and you know other places and the belly is splitting and it's showing a t- t- titanium uh, shield underneath. Mm. Um, and um, they come in and they try to cover up and um, uh, Vincent comes in and goes like I. I that that moment, like, I don't care what people say, you are my son. Um, and then uh, Adrian drops the towel, like, accidentally, but drops the towel. And it is fully, very clearly revealed that physically um, Adrian is uh, n- not who they're pretending to be. They're not yeah. this Vincent's son. Um, and they're very, very pregnant. Um and instead of reacting to that, Vincent just grabs a towel, co- covers Adrian up, continues to hug them, and then indeed leave, leaves the the bathroom again. This movie made me cry so many times. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, there. There's so much happening, and again, I uh, gorgeous, gorgeous moment. Um, but there's but, no question. Vince knows. Yeah. The fire department knows. Nobody yeah. can maintain this guy's anymore. No. And Adrian's still dealing with his body. Yeah. And its changes and mm-hmm. the trauma that it carries and mm-hmm. the 
the child of the trauma that it carries, the results of such things. Mm -hmm. Trying to deal with one's nature while also engaging with a world of difficult intimacy. Mm -hmm. We get a little montage after Vincent's lit himself on fire, after um, Adrian is revealed their former sexual power um, or current sexual power, but like revealed it mm -hmm. in, a, in the way that they know how to express it mm -hmm. where for most of the film, we haven't really seen a whole lot of nature and Adrian is out in daylight and comes upon a tree. And I can't help but see a tree in a film and be like, especially when it's a singular tree that's, you know, kind of breaks the mold of the rest of the film that this mm -hmm. is like a moment of let's talk about nature for a moment. Let's, let's ground ourselves. And mm -hmm. so I think the nature of, of Adrian here is super important. And Adrian's very, very pregnant. Mm -hmm. Adrian's about to give birth. Yeah. And so in this last sequence of Vincent in a moment of desperation who can no longer deny not only to himself or to his family of firefighters and men mm -hmm. who look up to him in a hyper-masculine world where he's having difficulty maintaining his masculinity because he's old and, and needs steroids um, mm -hmm. in order to feel like he's strong enough and capable enough and needs to provide for a son that wasn't there and was was injured and traumatized mm -hmm. or this um facsimile of a son uh adrian comes to him in this desperate moment where we're very much vincent's at the end of his wits and enters his bed naked yeah and tries to express intimacy and kiss him and this whole time we've engaged with like is this going to turn sexual is this going to turn violent is this a moment of pure intimacy of love of mm -hmm. a father-son relationship how do people bond together and this is the moment where adrian still does not know how to express themselves properly in this situation the trauma is too great it carries throughout their life but they're still dealing with their nature and vincent having his son try to have sex with him, mm -hmm. having this person masquerading as Adrian, trying to uh, connect in a way that is completely unacceptable, gets up and tries to go. And we have this beautiful beam of light that hits Adrian in the bed and they're, the sheets ripped off of them and their pregnancy is full bound and they start going into labor. Yeah. And he's about to leave and he turns and comes back to help deliver the baby and this love without bounds is expressed and saved to protect the person who's most important in Vincent's life this love that Adrian never had as Alexia who never got from their 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 family, through their trauma, through any romantic or sexual or intimate situation that they ever got to engage in. This is what love should look like. And Vincent delivers the baby. Adrian dies. And this baby is the embodiment of the trauma that is carried on. There's a, a metallic spine 
that um, the baby carries. And we end the film with, with Vincent holding on to what we can suppose is a son that he earned through, through his love. Yeah. And Adrian's given that closure of what love should actually look like. And, and not only that, it, there's this whole moment where um, Vincent says, I'm holding the child, says, I'm here, and then breaks the fourth wall and says, I'm here. Yeah, this movie fucked me up. <laughs> I, I, I think because... And I, I keep saying, like, maybe I need to rewatch it in a different mindset, but I I don't think that's going to change it for me because I it this movie did get me and grab me and I, it was emotionally so heavy and there was so much going on. And, you know, while we're dissecting this and while you're explaining, um, you know, parts of the film, in I'm like, yes, yes, I know. get this. I, I totally get this. And I felt I felt things. But stitch stitching all those things together for me, for some reason, it didn't flow from mm -hmm. one emotion into another. And that yeah. might be my personal experience because I had a different, um, because of my different perspective, because of my personal experiences, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, whereas... I don't know. Like I, I, I'm trying to put my finger on it. Why it's not working as much for me as it, as it does? Because I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, but it didn't make sense for me while I was watching it yeah. because it felt too choppy between those moments. Because I, it didn't flow for me between those moments. Yeah. Whereas again, individual, individually, those moments are, they make total sense to me. Yeah, I think the the narrative flow definitely um, exists in a different way. And I remember um, when Julia did her talk back at the end of the film, said something about like, uh, instead of trying to follow like a three act structure as a, a person normally would, try to work in layers. And so I think that the way that things flow are definitely like, how do the symbols stack on top of each other? And that was kind of more of how this story would be told instead of like the traditional um, flow of events. And that's probably why that abrupt shift when we get Vincent into the situation all of a sudden occurs. Mm -hmm. And it is disjointed for sure. Mm -hmm. It's it's an awkward transition, shall I say? Mm -hmm. Dr. Yeah. Evil Pinky in the air. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously like movies don't resonate with everybody, that's fair. Um, so I, I feel you on the, this isn't, isn't your jam for me. It hit everything I want. It talks about gender. It talks about love. It talks about gaze. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the ability of people to express themselves and inability of people to express themselves. That hits mm. me really hard. Um, yeah. mosh pits, dancing, uh, <laughs> hypersexuality, violence, um, body horror, body horror is so important to me because like mm. you know these meat sacks that we're trying to operate are just such a curious thing in my mind so i i really like seeing that kind of stuff and the fact that it's symbolic 
Like yeah. we're dealing with big iconographies that are supposed to resonate with people on really heavy levels. That's for me, these kinds of things are what's important about storytelling and especially in the world that we're in right now, these are things mm -hmm. that really, really need to be addressed. And so for me, the Palme d'Or was very well earned. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, the, 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 I but think I love you and I love your difference of opinion. Yeah, yeah, same, same. I still love you too. <laughs> that's, I mean, um, and then that's always important in friendships in general. I think, it's yeah. important to acknowledge each other's different perspectives, different uh, life experiences, and the stuff that we bring into things while we're consuming art, right? Um, okay. And I mean, I, I'm almost jealous at your um, at your experience of this film because oh, oh my god, throwing away my whole uh, microphone here uh, of your experience of this film because I kind of almost feel like I, I I wish I had experienced that way. I wish that you know the wires in my head um, received it the same way so that I I I could have you know emerged myself in the same um, uh, you know emotional roller coaster that has brought it to you and all these these highs and lows and these these all these hormones going through uh, through your body while oh. soaking into this super weird um, and and super interesting um, story. And I'm like I'm, I'm almost like why 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 didn't you, it work for me like this? You? Would you say that I've titillated you to 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 reapproach it? Yes, definitely, definitely. I, think, I, I, I will rewatch it. That's the big key that you and I are trying to do here with this podcast. Mm -hmm. For all mm -hmm. of our listeners out there who are who are hearing this and hearing my fascination with this and Rabia coming a little bit closer to that side, like I think anything in life can be beautiful when given the right exposure to it. Mm -hmm. And so through the culture curators, the thing that we offer to people is these are things that we love and we want you to see why they can be loved. And here is an opportunity to hear somebody who who wants to talk about something, talk about it. Yeah. And hopefully with this podcast and others that we put on in the future, people will be exposed to things and perhaps look at them in a different light. Well, th that is definitely the goal. And, and and that's what I love about conversations like this. Like we, we don't have to go into it both like loving it and kind of circle jerk about, yeah, you mm -hmm. loved it. I loved it. We both loved it. Okay. We loved it. So we loved Let it. Give, okay, give us a little paycheck, guys. Come on. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Still taking sponsorship. <laughs> yes, we are open for sponsorships. Thank you. Um, uh, email tentacles at uh, theculturedcurators.com. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I, I, I think conversations like this are only interesting and I hope our audience finds it interesting as well. And we do love your feedback on this. Um, I, I think in general for me, um, maybe it, it partially has to do with how I went into the film with certain mm -hmm. expectations, having seen raw, uh, knowing a little bit of, you know, that, that it had won awards. I didn't know anything about the film that went other than, you know, there was a fornication scene with a car. I didn't even um, know that. 
<laughs> I had no clue what I was getting into. I knew Palm Door <laughs> Winter. I knew Raw. And I love yeah. Raw. Like, yeah, yeah, same. For, for, for people who know me, cannibalism is very close to my heart. Mm. Um, and that movie, please go watch it. It deserves oh, yeah. to be watched. Um, but yeah, definitely I didn't know anything about this film when I watched it. And and I don't, you know, yeah. on the, uh, another good reason why you don't listen to us. I mean, if you, at this point, you're too late. But like, <laughs> go watch things and have experiences on your own and then come back to have the conversation. And if prompted and feel the whim, then go watch it again. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree on that. So what we can conclude from this is that it did a lot of things for you. It did some things for me, but not on that same level. But I am open to re-experiencing it to see if now after having this conversation, um, I can I, I can tap into that a little bit more. We definitely good on refraining from talking about this before today. So I, I didn't know anything about where we were going here. So <laughs> Same. With, with the climax of our edging, this was beautiful. Yes. Yes. It was, a, it was pretty long edging because I don't know how long this episode's going to be, but uh, <laughs> I, think we're too far. I, I think we're good. <laughs> it sounds like a normal session. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Okay. So conclusion. Um, did I like the movie at the start of this conversation? Yes. Did I love it? Not per se. Am I now curious if I can come to love it or at least see it more in the same light as Ben has? Yes. Um, if you like this conversation, please subscribe. Uh, we have other conversations where we dive more into tentacle porn and our love for Buto and Japanese okay. horror movies. <laughs> so do check out our other episodes, especially the one, uh, our most recent one before this one, I think is a, it's a Nick Cage on with uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's coming to uh, Shutter very shortly, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, you had posted it. I think it's coming in somewhere in November. Do you know the exact time, Ben? Uh, I'm trying to see real quick. Do, do, do. It is coming out in November. So, sorry, y'all. I don't have the date on that right away. Oh, that's no, okay. You guys get to hear me click around on the on the computer. See, <laughs> this is what this is what it looks like when uh, you can hear like background noise. You can hear roommates. Yeah. Like oh my goodness. Oh wait, I, I have it, on, it here. November 19th. Oh. oh, found it at the same time. Yes. So November 19th on Shutter and AMC Plus, uh Prisoners Prisoners of the Ghost Land with Nate Cage, made by Sion Sono, uh, who you might know from uh Suicide Club. And I recently watched a different Sion Sono film. And I have already forgotten the name. If you do want to find out which one it is, check our letterboxes, which we always mention in the blog posts. We will do a blog post about um, Tatan as well. And our next episode, this is the first time I can actually say that because we know what we're doing next. It's going to be a curated ex episode again. So that's going to be full of tips and titles we like. And we'll... we'll We'll uh, riff off a little bit more, maybe on some cool stuff that we discovered in the past month. It's October right now, so there's yeah. lots and lots to talk about. Less in-depth, more of a, what have we been up to and what are we interested in kind of thing. Yes, exactly, exactly. So stay tuned. Stay tuned and subscribe. 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 Subscribe.
Yeah. <laughs>